Tag Box Talk, and this is Horse Stories with a Purpose. Who are we? We are equine educators, but we are owners. We are judges. We are competitors. We are coaches. We are volunteers. We are moms. We are horse owners just like you, and we want to share our horse stories with a purpose. Extension Horses Tag Box Talk Series Horse Stories with a Purpose. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Heine with Oklahoma State University. And today we're actually going to be sharing uh, some really interesting stories with Dr. Nettie Leibert, who is a nutritionist for Buckeye Horse Nutrition. Um, and her kind of different symptoms she's been seeing with her horse, ET. Um, and PPID. So welcome back to the program, uh, Nettie. Thank you. It's great to be back. Thank you for re-inviting me. So ET, if uh, we go back a few episodes, we discussed ET as having an eye injury, right? Yeah. That was kind of problematic to heal. So at least update us. How's his eye? His eye, knock on wood, is wonderful. He saw the ophthalmologist about uh, he sees her every year. He saw her about three months ago and she said, looks good. I'll see you next year. And I said, great. So, that, so he's doing very well. That's good. good Thank good, you good. for asking. And that is a, a separate a specific ophthalmologist that sees him then? Yes. She is a board certified veterinary ophthalmologist. She's not specific to horses. She does lots of small animals, um, but she is one of two on uh, Long Island where I live and she's wonderful. And uh, yes, she is a board certified veterinary ophthalmologist that sees him every year. Noelle Aquat, Veterinary Medical Center of Long Island. My little plug for them. <laughs> so for all of our horse owners on Long Island, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're so, all shaking. So E.T. Yes. Also a horse with PPID. Isn't that correct? Very recently diagnosed. Yes. So he is, a he's 21 this year, appendix gelding. And he, because he is of a certain age, um, I had said to my veterinarian, I want to run the PPID test just because as part of a wellness exam, just to make sure he wasn't showing any outward signs, no crusty neck, no, uh, abnormal hair coat, none of that. Um, but again, they all show different signs and sometimes you don't know what they're hiding underneath their skin. Um, so we ran the test in April and he came back equivocal, meaning not positive, not negative, just kind of sitting on that borderline, by the way, his baseline. So for those of you who don't know, when you, uh, if you don't mind, uh, Chris, I'll talk about this a little, um, my disclaimer is I'm not a veterinarian, um, I'm a PhD, but a lot of this information is readily available on the equine endocrinology group. So PPID or pituitary pars intermedia dysfunction, also known as Cushing's disease, or again, PPID, um, is essentially a growth of the central part of the pituitary gland that causes in very short, <laughs> the reader's digest version here, uh, an increase in the hormone ACTH, which is adrenocorticotropin hormone which in turn stimulates the release of cortisol from the adrenal glands. And in PPID horses, that feedback loop doesn't really shut off. Like you still get cortisol cranking out. ACTH keeps getting secreted. Cortisol keeps getting secreted. Um, and that can result in some other issues. For example, uh, the, the hair coat, the rough hair coat, the wavy hair coat, the excess hair, 
lack of shedding, some other things are all linked to that. Um, and so one of the hormones that they're looking for when they test for BPID is this ACTH hormone. Um, and ET is if you were just testing his ACTH, he comes back normal, right as rain. So you'd think, oh, okay, cool. All's well. Um, but there is a more sensitive test called the TRH stimulation, stimulation test. That's uh, thyrotropin releasing hormone stim test. And that gives you a more sensitive measure of what's happening. So the vet will take a baseline blood sample. They'll give the horse a small dose of TRH. They take another blood sample 10 minutes later. And if their ACTH is above a certain range, then the horse would be considered uh, to have Cushing's disease. And if not, then they would be considered normal. So while ET's ACTH was normal, his first PPID test, the TRH stim test came back right on the borderline. So thought, nah, could be weird, could be an anomaly. Let's wait. So I didn't treat him right away. Retested him two months later and he was off the charts high. So we're like, okay, time to treat him. There's more to that story, but we'll get to that later. So that's just kind of uh, his back, the background on how I came to find his diagnosis. Okay. So you didn't have any symptoms. You were just kind of checking in on your older guy to see if there was anything going amiss. Yeah. Uh, and part of that is my obsessive compulsive scientist. I studied this in grad school kind of thing. Um, but I've also been fortunate to work with some of the leading experts in this field. So, <laughs> um, it's kind of on my brain. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could make an argument that he had a fat pad here and maybe a fat pad there, because that can be a sign. Abnormal fat deposits can be a sign of Cushing's disease, but I'm like, mm, I don't know, but what does it hurt to run the test? Just dollars. It hurts in dollars. Just, yeah. I was going to say that. I didn't want to give a dollar amount because I don't quite remember. I, well, I, there's so many dollar amounts. I, I can't. So. And so you said that you're, yeah, you got a second test that was more indicative of PPID that you did start treating him. Correct. And so yes, I with, with percent, which is the FDA approved drug to treat PPID in horses. How is he tolerating that? I know some horses don't really uh, enjoy being put on that. Yeah. Well, we did start him on half of the dose, which um, was recommended by my veterinarian and something I asked her about because in some horses, it kind of makes them lose their appetite. This is a known side effect. And sometimes if you build them up, um, you can avoid or reverse that problem. And again, I'm not a vet. So if you have that problem, you need to talk to your vet before you go changing doses. Um, and so far when we retested him uh, about mid July, so that's kind of the cutoff before you start seeing seasonal changes in hormone concentrations. So your vet might say, eh, well, it's the fall. It's not the best time to test it's because we do see some seasonal changes. You may not get the so I have to probably wait until January to retest him again, but he is, um, suffice to say, he loves his food. He hasn't stopped eating. He's been doing fine on it so far. So <laughs> no worries. He's very, he's very vocal if his lunch is late. <laughs> so we want to get to, we've been a little mysterious here about why you're on the program, but what we're going to talk about uh, with ET specifically is that you also started to see some sensory issues. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. So for anybody that's ever had to rehab a soft tissue injury, you know, it's a long process. 
Um, and this actually started last year and he was sort of subtly lame up front. Um, and after, you know, doing some blocks some x-rays, nothing really showed on um, the ultrasounded him, and boom, there it was. He had a suspensory injury. Now ask me how he did it. I have absolutely no idea. I, he, when he's up, so we pretend we're hunter jumpers. And I use that term very loosely <laughs> because at this point we're very, very casual. We don't really compete too much anymore. Um, and maybe, you know, at his age, we jump some lower jumps, maybe two foot, maybe two, three. It's kind of it. So he was certainly not in intense training. I would say light to moderate work. You know, he's a goofball in the turnout at his age. He's 21 going on three. Mm -hmm. Um, but they're horses. So he could have taken a funny step. He could have done something in the turnout who I, I don't know how he did it. So, uh, fast forward a few months, um, you know, rehabbed him all summer, brought him back to flat work. He took his first jump around December 1st and was doing great. So now we're into March of 2021. And, uh, I noticed a swelling in his back leg and I'm like, eh, poulticed it, wrapped it did a little of, uh, you know, topical anti-inflammatories did this and that it wasn't going away. And I said to my vet, you know, at what point do I worry about this? Eh, you know, you know, and I, one particular vet, I, I had to push this vet and I'm like, I, I need this scan. Like I had to push and I was not, she scanned it and I wasn't really happy with the outcome. So I went back to my, that's a whole other story, but, um, I went back to another vet who I absolutely love. And I said, could you look at these images? And she said, bring them to me. I want to scan them. So lo and behold, not only did he have a, a lesion in his suspensory on that leg of concern, but they thought, hmm. And I had told them the backstory. They, they knew his history. They've treated him for years in the past. It's like, I'm going to look at his other leg. And he found not one, but two little suspensory lesions in his hind leg. And I was floored. I was like, you've got to be kidding. I'm like, he has limited turnout. It's winter. It's we're not doing anything crazy. He maybe jumps little jumps once a week. Like, what am I doing wrong? And she and said, well, the first, the first suspensory injury we were talking about was a front leg, which is it was where a front leg. Yep. Usually front leg. kind of see them normally because more weight is mm -hmm. on the front end and typically hind end suspensories are more like a older horse issue or there's some other suspensory or issues. like a, like a, I slammed it into something kind of an issue. <laughs> Ask okay. So now we've got both hind limbs affected, both, both hind limbs affected. And again, going back to my goofball nerdy, I studied this in grad school cell thing. My vet says to me, well, you know, there's a link between PPID and suspensory lesions. And I said, what? I said, how do I not know this? Now, of course, that's a little bit outside of what I do every day now. I was like, are you kidding? Like, what? tell me more. She goes, well, unfortunately we don't really know more. Um, and I had reached out to a colleague of mine, Dr. Amanda Adams at the university of Kentucky, who um, does extensive research in the aging horse and PPID insulin dysregulating horses all the time. Um, and I had the abstracts and she, you know, was able to share with me the, the papers. There's only two that we can find two published papers by the same group in Europe who have found this potential link between PPID and suspensory ligament injuries. And then my vet said, yeah, we're, we're absolutely going to treat him. She's like, no more equivocal stuff. We are going to treat him for Cushing. So, um, 
yeah, it, it was quite a surprise to me. I mean, even as, you know, a professional in the horse industry and, you know, this is kind of, kind of in my wheelhouse, but not really. Um, I, I was so angry at myself that I didn't know this, but I didn't. Um, so the, the, the research that's out there, um, again, one paper was published in 2017 and, uh, this other one was published, uh, in 2014. So again, not that long, not that long ago, really recent and in a limited group. So this isn't, you know, yes. And in very small numbers of horses. So they found, so I'm just reading. So the group, I should probably credit the authors, right? This, um, paper, uh, the lead author is, uh, Sina Hofberger. And uh, she is at the University of Veterinary Medicine in Vienna, Austria. And their conclusion was that they found some tissue-specific dysregulation um, of cortisol metabolism that could contribute to some suspensory degeneration in PPID horses. Um, And they looked at you know, tissue samples from 12 horses that had PPID and 14 horses that did not have PPID. Um, and they found some differences in, you know, on the, basically on the cellular level of what was going on in these horses ligaments. Um, and what they found in the PPID horses, they essentially were more uh, subject to tissue problems, degeneration, things like that. Uh, That's a a very broad overview of their research. Um, And similarly, in their other study, uh, which again was led by Dr. Hofberger, um, they found changes um, similar to degeneration of connective tissues in in, uh, humans that had Cushing's diseases, it was similar or comparative in horses. So this was after a long-term, uh, humans that had had long-term high dose corticosteroid treatments. So cortisol is a steroid hormone. Um, that's so, um, that's sort of how they made that link. And so they concluded that there was an association between the degeneration of the suspensory ligament, possibly due to that chronic high level of cortisol I talked about earlier and uh, PPID. Now is, do, does that mean if your horse has Cushing's, they're going to have this problem? Don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not even begin to be the expert to answer that question. Um, but it was, this research was obviously very interesting to me because my horse, after having never had an injury like this in the 16 years that I've had him has now had two in, in uh, sequential years and um, all possibly related to PPID. Now, if you were listening closely, you might say, but well, you didn't diagnose them until this year. And last year I didn't do the TRH stim test. I just did the ACTH and he was normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I should have pushed for that. So shame on me. So who knows? He could have had that sort of those, some of those um, subclinical findings going on that I didn't see outright on the surface. Um, and then this year they're just, uh, sort of coming to again. So I hope I've, I've explained that very, very generally. That's a very, yeah, very, well, and I would, I would have to say, we don't want horse owners just getting like 
paranoid about everything either. So, um, so the average person probably doesn't need to test for everything under the sun without, um, correct without some sort of indication that it's warranted. So maybe only geeky science people want to get that involved. Yeah. And there is, I mean, again, if you talk to your veterinarian about your horse's wellness exams, you know, they, they may suggest it anyway. I mean, you know, just with your cat or your dog or you, you may notice that your doctor tests your blood for certain things after you reach a certain age versus when you were, you know, 18 years old. It's not quite the same. Um, so, you know, just as part as wellness testing and, and, you know, some people don't know some, some vets don't do it. It it just sort of depends. I just happen to be one of those people who, who knows I'm like, yeah, you need to test my horse for this. Okay. And most, especially given his age, it's, it's just part of his wellness testing. So we'll keep an eye on it. So has this, um, so his treatment has just started relatively recently, correct? Yeah. So where are so, you at in the, in the journey? So we've gotten, um, his, his uh, hormone levels are a little bit more regulated. Where are you in the journey with the suspensory issues? <laughs> uh, well, we are still in the rehab process. Um, I did do what's called PRP or platelet-rich plasma treatment on, uh, on those injuries, um, which basically the vets take a blood sample, they spin it down and they essentially super concentrate the white blood cells that have all the good healing factors in it. And they inject it right back into the horse. So it's his own body healing itself. Um, if it's within your financial means, if your insurance covers it, do it, I recommend, (laughs) or at least talking your vet about it. Um, so he, we found the lesions in June. We treated him about a week or two later with that. And so I've been tack walking him. So I tack him up, I get on and I walk him around the ring for about 30 minutes or so. And we are just this week starting to trot. He did have a follow-up ultrasound about a week and a half ago. And my vets are absolutely thrilled with the progress he's making. So now we're about July, August, September, about three months in from when we actually found these lesions. Um, but he's still got healing to do the lesion. The one lesion that I was initially concerned about has like just a tiny bit to close, but he's got lots of, um, healing tissue around it around. And on the other leg, same thing, lots of healing tissue. It's just still not, it's not a hundred percent there yet, but they've said, okay, you can trot for one minute total on the straight one minute, <laughs> one minute total. That's it. So we do which is basically four times down the straightaway <laughs> in the ring that I have. So we do that. And then every three days I can increase it by 30 seconds. So we're, I think starting tomorrow, we get to do a minute and 30 seconds. Can you um, so, stopwatch with you while you're riding him? Okay. Yeah. So picture this, I have my phone in one hand <laughs> and I'm like, well, I hit my timer to see how long it takes me to go down the long side of the truck. <laughs> And it took 15 seconds. So now I know, okay, 15 seconds here, 15 seconds there. Now, do you, do you, so obviously you're spreading your one minute out or do you ever feel like just like, oh, let's go for one minute? Not yet, because I have been told just, just on the straightaway, don't turn, don't circle, just trot on the straightaway. Okay. Shall it shall be done. 
Okay. So, so some exciting rides for you right now. Oh, oh, thrill a minute. But, and it's interesting though, because this rehab is different than the rehab last year, because at his follow-up ultrasound, the lesion was pretty well healed. So we were able to start off with a little more trotting and not a lot more, a couple minutes and build up from there. So this healing process is definitely ta- on the hind legs is definitely taking longer than the front, but not all lesions are the same. Mm-hmm. So you got to follow my vet's advice and that's what I'm doing. So what is his prognosis then? Is it, um, uh, with, and this is novel, right? And so we don't even have that. This is a defined mechanism at this point. Right. In time. Cause certainly when you're very few, a small number of horses and then looking at humans and Cushing's disease in humans is different than what PPID is in horses. Right. Uh, right. And I'm not even sure. I don't, I'm not even sure that they would call it a definitive proven link. I think it's really more of a, we think this is happening and we definitely need more research kind of a thing between Cushing's and, um, and suspensory issues. It's just unusual for a horse like this to have, you know, that many injuries, but, um, to answer your question about what's his prognosis, um, you know, I asked my vets, I'm like, can we look into the crystal ball here and tell me what you think horses like this, how they do. And she shrugged her shoulders. She goes, it just depends. She goes, he may never have a problem again. He may have one in a couple of years, or he could be have chronic issues. So you just don't know. It just depends on the horse. She goes, but you know, I, you know, I even said, I'm not looking to make him a show horse or a jumper or anything. I said, I just want him to be happy and sound. I said, can he jump again? And they said, well, if he, as long as he can canter, he can do small jumps. I said, okay, cool. And they explained to me some other, uh, forces, which I won't get into forces on the leg when it comes to cantering and jumping. Um, So provided that he continues to heal well, and I have no reason to believe he shouldn't, then yeah, he should be able to go back to his regular workload. And I just have become, uh, in addition to becoming obsessed with checking the eye, which we talked about in the other podcast, you know, literally every day running my hands down his legs. And she, you know, even my vet said, this is what I want you to look for. This is where I want you to, to, to feel on his legs. And so she said, if you see anything, any bump, any, this, anything that's not there, she's like, memorize what his legs look like. And if you see any change, you call me. Okay. Um, so they're really good about being communicative and responsive to my videos and pictures and everything that I send them within reason. I don't drive. I try not to drive them crazy. Um, so provided that, you know, he just continues to heal well, there's no reason he shouldn't be able to, to go back to his semi-retired lifestyle, hacking around and jumping small jumps. And he, he does like to jump. He gets very enthusiastic about it sometimes. <laughs> so that might be part of the problem. Less enthusiasm, buddy. <laughs> oh, he just thinks it's a grand old time. He just, he likes it. And the funny thing is he was broke as a Western pleasure horse. I'm like, nah, you're going to be a hundred jumper. He's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for kind of sharing the story. I think it's a, it's really kind of an interesting one and not the ones that we've been classically talking about because we've done a PPID podcast. Um, and we're following up this one. We're, uh, chatted with Dr. McFarlane and Dr. Holbrook about, Oh, they're um, awesome. Both awesome. Well, I know, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
<laughs> I, I've met Dr. McFarlane and she is just top notch. Yes, she's she's pretty fun and uh, hopefully we'll get to continue to work with her um, here going forward. So, uh, but yeah, we were we were having a good talk about um, insulin dysregulated horses and kind of some of the new stuff we're learning about um, managing those guys. And so it always just seems there's another little piece of information that that uh, changes the story from what we used to be telling people. Indeed. And yeah, indeed. And even uh, some of my, my colleagues that I work with at uh, Waltham Pet Care Science Center do a lot of work in the world of insulin dysregulation. And I feel like every time we have a conversation, there's different new evolving information, which is really good and a little stressful at the same time. <laughs> good to keep us interested in, in what's right. Happening. Well, I really appreciate your time uh, today, Nettie, and I hope you enjoy trotting for a minute and 30 seconds. That sounds like super exciting. Oh, you know it. You know where I'll be after work. Actually, well, today he's at, he has off today, but tomorrow, that's it. So you know what? In the summertime when it's really hot, you're like, oh, all I have to do is walk today. He likes that. So it works out sometimes. <laughs> well, it sounds like you take a, a wonderful care of him. Um, I do try. Yeah. Thank you. Be in better times. So um, thank, you. thank you actually for sharing this horse story with a purpose, because I think this will kind of perk up some people's ears and maybe at least lead to some conversations with their veterinarian with their older horses or some problems they may see creeping up. Absolutely. Yep. Ask your vet, ask your vet, ask your vet. <laughs> Whenever you're not sure, ask your vet. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that has been our edition of Pack Box Talk, Four Stories with a Purpose.